Kicks, we talk about sneakers and sneaker culture, and today we're talking about Salomon, Hoka, and On. Are they the next big thing in sneakers? It would be hard to overstate the impact the three footwear brands we'll be talking about today have had on sneaker culture in the past couple of years. Typically, if you're talking about sneakers either as a pastime or an obsession, you're talking about the same few brands each and every time. Nike, Adidas, New Balance, Asics, maybe even Reebok. But the biggest mistake you could make when speaking about Salomon is that they are some sort of overnight success. The adage that Salomon came out of nowhere could not be further from the truth because the truth is that Salomon, the company anyway, has been around for more than 80 years. Starting life in the French Alps by George Salomon, a ski tip sharpener, Salomon eventually moved into creating ski boots and boot bindings before finally creating their first hiking boot in 1990. In 2006, they created the Salomon Speed Cross, a super lightweight running shoe meant for long-distance races on uneven and rough terrain. Due to the shoe's bright neon color wheel and tech-savvy futuristic design, the Speed Cross and its future counterparts, like the X-T4, the X-T6, the X-T Quest, and the X-A Pro, the Salomon X-T running line began to be favored as a lifestyle shoe as well. The colors made outfits pop, and the design added a sleek touch to sharply fitted clothes, which worked particularly well in the skinny jeans era. It was, appropriately, the French who caught on first, but the Japanese weren't far behind, and by the end of the 2010s, Salomon was the next big thing in footwear in the Far East, and a collaboration with Calme de Garçon, which has one foot in Tokyo and the other in Paris, soon followed and solidified Salomon as a legitimate high-end fashion accessory. But what really introduced the brand to the general public was the emergence of the GORP core trend. GORP, which is an acronym for good old raisins and peanuts, an essential trail mix snack for off-road hikes, is a style in which functional outdoor clothing pieces are used as fashion statements. Montclair and Canada Goose can be credited with helping to birth it, outfitting fashion-conscious consumers with and celebrities with deep pockets with warm winter coats that can and often do, cost several thousand dollars a pop. The North Face, which is owned by the same company that owns Supreme and has resulted in many highly sought-after collaborations between the two brands, can also be credited with bridging the gap between outdoor gear and streetwear. Hiking shoes and boots and sneakers that are made to look like them have exploded onto the fashion scene in the last few years, becoming essential additions to the closets of the fashion forward. Just this year, higher-end outdoor fashion brand Stone Island released a New Balance 574 Legacy, outfitted in olive-colored ripstop uppers with rough, long-haired suede, French terry lining, and a deep-cut treaded rubber outsole. Sounds a lot like a hiking shoe, doesn't it? To be fair, New Balance has had a line of hiking shoes and boots for many years, but only recently have they offered up some of those silhouettes to hotshot collaborators like Joe Freshgoods, who got to do his own version of New Balance's Rainer boot, as well as a couple of colorways of NB's performance heavy trail runner, the 610, a model which the brand also handed over to their long-term collaborators, Bodega, who turned the shoe into a very funky colorway dressed in teal and purple, a colorway that looks not at all unlike something you'd find on a Salomon XT runner. Which makes sense as Bodega has also collaborated with Salomon on an X Mission 4, which Bodega called the Full Bleed, a shoe intended to perform at as high a level on the streets as on the trails. Of course, being part of a potentially flash-in-the-pan fashion trend like Gorpcore is one thing, 
Lots of fashion trends come and go along with the sneakers geared towards those trends. The only true test as to whether Salomon has arrived as a sneaker mainstay is if people outside of that trend are wearing it. Is the average consumer who has no idea about Stone Island or Patagonia and has no interest in hiking or camping walking into their local foot whatever in the mall and grabbing a pair of Salomons off the shelf to wear to their next baseball game or bar hop? And to be honest, I'm not sure that Salomon is quite there yet. It certainly has its champions. Complex's Joe LaPuma, who hosts sneaker shopping, sings Salomon's praises so fervently, you have to wonder if he wasn't made brand ambassador at some point. Fashion-forward celebs like Hailey Bieber and Bella Hadid have also been photographed in them. And who can forget Rihanna's rocking a pair of Salomon's MM6 Maison Morgella X-Cross Lowe's at this year's Super Bowl halftime show. Apparently, sales of Salomon sneakers went up by 17% after that very public co-sign by one of the world's biggest pop stars. But other gorp-less sneakerheads seem to have had a harder time adopting the, t- the kicks into their daily life, replacing coveted spots in the rotation currently held by Jordan's, Nike's, Adidas, New Balance, Asics, and Converse. I happen to be one of those sneakerheads. I have a couple of Salomons. I have a Speed Cross 3 that I bought off Amazon several years ago because they were cheap and well-reviewed. This was obviously before Salomon as a fashion staple was a thing. And I have a pair of XT6s in Lunar Rock Gray that are outfitted in Gore-Tex. I bought the shoes because I work outside and I wanted a pair of stylish waterproof kicks that are comfortable and will last a long time. But I haven't really worn them as part of an outfit in the way that I do Jays or Nike Airs. Still, I appreciate what Salomon is doing. I appreciate the quality of the shoes and the collabs they've secured. The pink and blue Carla Art de l'Automobile ACS Pro Advanced from last year are must-haves. I even put a Salomon shoe on my best sneakers of 2023 so far list on last week's podcast. The XT6 that Salomon did with Atmos called Stars Collide. It's a beautiful sneaker and a cool idea and a good indication of how deeply Salomon has infiltrated the world of street culture. You are officially sneakerhead approved if you have a collaboration with Atmos. But while Salomon is rubbing elbows with collaborators considered the footwear elite, there is another company that is not only hot on their heels but is doing it without the need or even the apparent interest in collaborative partners who have sneaker culture's ear permanently perked. I'm talking about Hoka. Hoka, formerly known as Hoka One One, which means fly over the earth in Maori, a language native to the Maori people, the indigenous peoples of New Zealand, was actually started by a couple of former Salomon employees in Annecy, France. Nicolas Mermoud and Jean-Luc Diard started Hoka in 2009 as a response and reaction to the minimalist footwear trend in the first decade of the new millennium a trend that experienced its zenith with barefoot shoes, like the Vibram KSO Evo, which is a wetsuit-type shoe that looks like a barefoot and whose purpose is to have as little material between your feet and the ground as possible. Hoka went far in the other direction, creating a line of maximalist shoes with the thickest, fattest midsoles on the market. Promising otherworldly cush and featherweight technology, Hoka's were a hit, in particular with marathon runners who appreciated the marshmallowy midsole on those long, long long-ass runs. 
But while Hoka hung around the running room as a shoe that its adherents were only too happy to talk to their fellow racer friends about, it never really grabbed the attention of the general public, and in 2013, the company was sold to footwear conglomerate Decker's Outdoor Corporation and moved to Southern California. And with more money behind it, Hoka was able to establish a more widespread national presence in the footwear scene, not just with runners, but with sneaker culture as a whole. In the past few years, the number of Hoka's on feet has grown exponentially, and you'd be hard-pressed to spend a full day in the downtown core of a major city without seeing Hoka's at least once every couple of hours. One of the more endearing things about the brand is that they've only started collaborating with other companies very recently. And even now, they only really collaborate with brands that it makes sense for a maximalist running shoe company to collaborate with like Montclair, Cotopaxi, and Outdoor Voices. That being said, they have dipped their lightweight, super-cushioned toes into street culture with collaborations with South Korea's This Is Never That and Boston's Bodega, but those collabs are the exception, not the rule. But with Hoka's ever-rising popularity, especially in the age of dad shoe mania where super-thick midsole classics in the form of Yeezy 700s, New Balance 99Xs, and even Balenciaga triple S's, if you've got more money than I do, are praised and appreciated for their exaggerated footbeds. I would find it very hard to believe that top-tier collaborations with streetwear superstars are not far behind. I have yet to wear a pair of Hoka's. I'm not a long-distance runner, and I have a closet full of Nike Air and Adidas Boost. I do appreciate a good, chunky midsole, though. The New Balance 992 in gray and the aforementioned Yeezy 700 in the Wave Runner colorway are two of my all-time favorite sneakers. I suppose I'm just not ready yet to take the plunge into another footwear brand, no matter how comfy and exciting its products are said to be. I liken it to sports. I'm a basketball fanatic. I watch many, many NBA games every season. I keep up on the NBA in the offseason with drafts, trades, etc. But despite living in Canada, I don't watch hockey. I don't watch or follow football, soccer, golf, or tennis either. Is that because I hate all sports except for basketball? No, it's because I don't have the time in my life to become addicted to another sport. Soccer, football, hockey, baseball, these are religions to billions of people out there in the world and I can't risk getting hooked on another sport-related drug. So I just stay in my lane and watch and keep up with professional basketball and leave it at that. And I'm happy to say the same, for now anyway, about Salomon and Hoka. I'm sure I could get hooked on them if I tried, I just can't afford to try. Which brings us to On, the third little company that could, in today's episode of footwear brands that seemingly came out of nowhere to challenge the bigger brands with swooshes and stripes in the field of technical footwear for outdoor activities. On may seem to have come out of nowhere here in North America in the past several years, but in Switzerland, where they were established in 2010, making them the youngest of the three brands we're talking about today, they've held the market on footwear for over a decade. According to Wikipedia, as of 2019, On held 40% of the running shoe market in Switzerland, compared to just 6% of it in America. Part of this, no doubt, is due to Nike's vice grip on footwear in the United States, and part is due to Switzerland having a total population of 8 million versus America's 332 million. Which still means that On is supplying footwear to almost 20 million people in the United States versus just over 3 million in Switzerland. 
I don't like math. All I'm trying to say is that On is doing fine for itself despite its relatively small slice of the sneaker pie in America. On was founded by Olivier Bernhard, a man that has won the Swiss Ironman Triathlon seven damn times and won it in the Netherlands once and placed second in the United States, Australia, and Canada. And just like wearing Air Jordan models that were actually worn by Michael Jordan when he played is the best cosign those shoes could have, wearing footwear that was co-created by a multi-Ironman winning athlete is about the best cosign shoes that are designed to do the things Bernhard does when he trains and competes could have. In short, on shoes were built from day one to compete in the toughest conditions by the toughest athletes. I just came up with that sentence, by the way. On, if you're listening, I'm available. And it isn't just Bernhard who is putting his footwear where his mouth is. On's biggest cosign comes from fellow Swiss former tennis stud Roger Federer, who has acted as a sort of brand ambassador for the shoes since their inception. So what makes On special and why are people outside of Switzerland clamoring for them all of a sudden? First of all, they look unlike anything else out there. The Cloud lineup, On's biggest seller and most popular model, of which they are now on their fifth edition, features a sock-like mesh upper with a fully collapsible heel, plenty of sweat-relieving perforations throughout, and sits on top of On's famous speedboat sole unit, a bottom that is as much air as it is thermoplastic polymer and looks like the tread on a tractor more than the outsole of a running shoe. The idea behind its unique look and construction is that it gives you structure when taking off and cushion when coming down. And apparently it works, as the Cloud Ultra version of the shoes was awarded the 2021 award for Best Trail Runner by the International Sporting Goods Trade Fair. But it doesn't look like a sneaker people who are into sneakers would wear. It looks like a fancy running shoe, albeit a futuristic one. Again, in the vein of full transparency, I have not worn a pair of Ons, but the people I know who have love and swear by them. As a running shoe, as a walking shoe, or as a shoe that you jam your feet into when you're running out the door, which is where that collapsible heel really comes in handy. But while Salomon's more or less sudden arrival on the feet and in the hearts and minds of sneaker and street culture aficionados can be traced to the emergence of Gorpcore, there is a trend happening in the world of sneakers right now that can explain the appreciation of On as more than just equipment apparel for, for ultra-endurance athletes. And that trend is the return of the early aughts running shoe as a fashion piece. Runners in the first decade of the new millennium all had several design and tech-related characteristics in common. First, they all have a very breathable, wide-pocketed mesh, stretchy sock-like upper. They are also covered in plastic or rubber overlays over the mesh that most often run in all directions like highways or indeed like running trails. They often have bulbous foam or gel-filled midsoles and black hard rubber outsoles. In terms of color, they often feature some sort of shiny or reflective silver, black, and or red combination, and the shape is usually narrow, sleek, and pointed at the toe as if the shoe is telling the runner which direction to go before the runner decides for themselves. Fashion is cyclical. 80s, 90s, and now early 2000s clothing and sneakers go away and come back as nostalgia pieces reimagined by designers and designer brands as the thing that had to die and come back to life 20 years later before you realized it was cool. And to be certain, these early aughts runners are the daddiest of dad running shoes. The New Balance 860 V2 and Asics Gel Kayano 14 are shoes 
your dad and his dad would wear because they're light, they're comfy, and they won't break the bank. But in the hands of culture-dictating designers like Amade Leon Dor and Montreal's Jound, the 860 V2 and Gel Cayano 14, respectively, are now Fashion Week catwalk pieces that should be required additions to any self-respecting hipster sneakerhead or fashionista whose closet looks like it was made of scrap pieces of vintage furniture upholstery. Which of course means that they have their champions and their detractors. You are still unlikely, for example, to see these shoes on the feet of sneaker-headed OGs. People who, who are old enough to have bought Jordans in the 90s when they were originally released rather than when they retroed for the eighth time. You are also unlikely to find them on the feet of hype beasts, people who only like sneakers based on how limited or how much they cost on the secondary market. But that leaves the other population of sneaker collectors and connoisseurs, people who just basically like what they like. The brand doesn't matter. The availability doesn't matter. All that does matter is whether the shoes look and feel good. These are the people who are buying on Hoka and Salomon. These are the people who are walking into the store, grabbing these shoes off the shelf and going about styling them as though that was their intended use all along. Because while the sneaker industry is in a state of flux where people are unwilling to pay resellers a 400% markup on a particular hype sneaker when there are so many other sneakers that they can buy for retail, there are now more sneakers which are more available in more places than there have been in years. So rather than getting worked up over another L on a Nike Dunk SB or a Travis Scott Jordan collab, people are shrugging their shoulders and going elsewhere. It's not just Nike, Jordan, and Yeezy anymore. SB Dunks and Jordans don't sell like they used to and Yeezys are dead. As Jay-Z said back in 2009, the year Hoka One One came into existence, on to the next one. On to the Gorpcore Neon Popped Salomon Hikers. On to Hoka's Maximalist Supercush. On to On's Tractor Treaded Marathon Ready Runners that are endorsed by multi-Ironman winners and tennis legends. On to something different. Something new from something old. And for these three companies, the only direction to go is up. So there you have it. Salomon, Hoka, and on. Next big thing in sneakers? Time will tell, but it looks that way. Expect more releases, bigger collaborations, and bigger hype in the years to come. And speaking of collab hype, for our next episode, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the history, the influence, and the legacy of Travis Scott sneakers. Please come back and join us for that. Until then, please take care.